Welcome back to the Gentle Counselor podcast. My name is Crystal and I support mums through their inner healing and parenting journeys. For those of you listening right now, this episode is a little bit different because back in October of 2021, it was World Mental Health Day and I had some wonderful friends join me over three days to talk all about mental health and motherhood at the Aussie Moms Mental Health Virtual Event. I hope you enjoyed these conversations, which were recorded live at the summit. I'm also thrilled to let you know that we will be returning in 2022 and plan on making it even bigger and better. It may or may not involve a retreat. (laughs) Wherever you are right now, I hope these episodes find you when you truly need it. I would love to hear your feedback on these chats, so make sure you're connected with me on social media at The Gentle Counselor. If you'd like to receive an email once a month that is full of freebies, parenting tips, links to podcast episodes, beautiful affirmation screensavers, and other goodies, make sure you are signed up to my email list. I hope you enjoy this chat. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Aussie Mums Mental Health Virtual Event. We're halfway through this whole thing, but we've still got a lot more talks to go through. And one that I'm really excited for today is with Sarah from Miko Blue Tiny Living. And we're going to be talking about decluttering to find mental space. And I'm really looking forward to this chat because this has been a really big realization for myself in how um, clutter affects me and my mental health as well. And I know that uh, Sarah shares a lot on her Instagram and all her social media and all the things that she does. So I'm going to let her introduce herself to all of you. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) If you are joining us live, say hello to us in the comments so that we can see who's here watching us. And if you have any questions for Sarah, please do add them in the comment box because we'll be able to answer them for you. If you are watching as a replay, just pretend like you're here with us still chatting live because we will come back to this to make sure that we are chatting with you and answering any questions that you might have because this will stay up as a replay for a while. Um, But let's get started with Sarah. Do you want to tell us a bit about what you do and why you do it? Yes, so I actually started Miko Blue Tiny Living, the word tiny there is kind of key, um, after we DIY built a tiny house on wheels and I started getting a lot of questions about how, not just why, There, were, I mean, there were a lot of whys. Um, <laughs> when we were building, it was really funny. Actually, you could sit in the driveway on any, uh, sit in the lounge room on any given day and watch people like slow down and slowly drive past and look so there were a lot of whys there were a lot of whys but the questions I really loved were the hows you know Mm. how how did you get ready for this and how did you transition your lifestyle and how did you downsize and how did you do all the things and the questions that I was get uh, I was getting was not so much actually how did you build it but it was the process behind Mm. how did you get there and how did you actually put your family in that and make it work so that's where I started um and we're not in the tiny house anymore which was actually a really interesting transition for me um the business I was a little bit like oh you know who am I now without being the girl in the tiny house Mm. like who am I now you know what do I talk about um and I started realizing that the tiny house was like this testing field where all of these things that I had been putting into our life, you know, learning to live intentionally, learning to live sustainably, learning to live with less. It was like 
the testing ground. The, it was it was like going into the kiln, you know, really fortifying our values and all of these yeah. different things. Um, you had like you, you had to sort of face up to that stuff and really test and challenge what did and didn't fit um, in life. You know what was important to lifestyle. So I've taken that and now that's what I share. I, I talk about intentional living and all the facets of that because I don't think you can say intentional living is just one thing you know it's Mm. a facet of these cross sections of all of these different interests and you need to know how we have our relationships with other people and it's how we engage with the community and it's how we engage with environment and it's it's all of these different things that cross over so I love talking about decluttering and I love talking about minimalism but it's like just this one facet of you know this process of learning to live with intention yeah Um, so that's what I talk about Yeah. And it's such an interesting topic because we are just bombarded with like more, 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 you know, it's like all the new gadgets, all the new things, uh, big houses and, and how that's really tied to um, value or like a societal status. It's like, you're always wanting to earn more money, have a bigger house, all those things. Right. And then if you are someone that's had that or striving for it, you're kind of still like, Hey, I'm still not feeling great. Like, even as I reflect, and I was doing this the other day, reflecting on where we are now compared to where I was like back when I was 19 years old, trying to, you know, make ends meet. And I always dreamed of um, how much money I would make or the house I'd have, which I have now. And then here I am sometimes still feeling like that lack. And so it's a really good um, prompt, I think, to stop and, and, and have that kind of observation and reflections about, okay, something's mismatched here because I've, yeah. I've ticked off the list. I've gotten all these things. So why, why do I still not feel great about it? Um, and <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I really appreciate you being like candid and honest about it too in your experience because you've done, you've done like the different things. Like you had the bigger house, you went to the tiny house and now you're doing what you're doing now. And it's like, you're still learning as well, but it's like that process, like you said, like there's been a process through all those different stages. And I think that's what matters. It's not necessarily like the end thing, whatever that looks like, because it's going to look yeah. different for everyone anyway. But the process is very individualistic in that it gets you looking inward and really thinking about yourself and your family too. Um, and, you know, so, this is like, yeah. it ties into how I think about goals too. Like mm. I had a real disconnect um learning about goal setting you know when I first when I first was exposed to this idea of you know goal setting it wasn't really something I'd done before and they're like you know write down all the things that you want to do and you want to have and I was like but I'm I'm really not resonating with any of this Mm. I'm it's not it's not motivating for me It, it really doesn't doesn't connect and when I thought about it I realized you know the house isn't actually the goal Um, having the garden or the car or, you know, whatever it is, it's not Mm. the goal. They are just milestones on the way to stepping into alignment with the value. So if I have a value of, you know, family and if I have a value of freedom and if I have a value of sustainability, all of these different things are sort of anchoring you to that pathway. And, like, minimalism is not the goal, you know, it's, it's just, it's part of the pathway of actually stepping towards your values. And that's why, you know, there's always this change and there's always this, you know, it's not like, oh, I've got it, you know, hands down, I've got it, we're, we're done. Because it's always this, your family grows. You know, yeah, it's like evolving and changing. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. we do the same, you know, and 
sometimes we sort of challenge our values a little bit and the, the value stays the same, but the pathway that we choose to get there might change a little bit. Mm. And that's okay. And I think that's why it's, you know, it, it's okay to accept that we are all still learning because we're all still walking towards that pathway of getting closer to our values and, you know, embodying that person that deep within us we really want to be showing up as that person. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting it's interesting when I see people and they're like, oh, you know, God, I'm like, the D. <laughs> when, when, you know, when life just sort of pokes you a little bit and the phases mm. change a little bit, you know, it's okay to need to adapt to that, mm. you know, and change your, change your ethos around that just a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really um, prominent in motherhood as well. And like the different stages that we go through, whether it's like before having your children during, and then that process after for anyone that has like all the kids that have, you know, left. Um, And then also the different stages of your children as well. So it makes sense that it needs to be flexible. It needs to be uh, reevaluated as well. So what was the catalyst for you in going through all of that? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a household that like we prioritized, we valued being clean, but there wasn't a lot of conversation around how you actually deal with stuff. Mm. Um, we were also, we were also taught to be very um, frugal, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're conscious with what you throw out. And that's all great. You know, that comes from my dad grew up with parents who grew up in the Great Depression. And, you know, they saved every bread bag and they saved every, you know, and those are really valuable ways to look at the environment. But I got to this point as a mum who was trying to find myself, trying to find my purpose in the world. You know, how can I impact Um, we were in a big house and we'd already moved. I think by that stage, I'd moved 11 times since I left home and Mm. carried everything with me every time. And I got to this phase where it was like when I stepped into the front door, it was like the walls started closing in Mm. and like the weight of everything we owned in the house just fell on my shoulders. And I felt like I was suffocating, like I was drowning and you know, trying to do all the things. I'd finally get on top of the laundry and the kitchen was a mess and I'd finally get on top of the kitchen and the, you know, the lounge room had exploded and it was just this, it was like being on the hamster wheel, you know. There was just, there was never an end and I felt like I was failing. Mm. Like I couldn't possibly, I, I, I couldn't do it anymore and I can remember crying and just being like, what is wrong with me? You know, I feel like I am failing as a mother and as a housewife. I feel like I'm failing, you know, we were actually renting off um, Jeremy's parents at the moment. So I felt like I was failing them because I couldn't keep their house looking beautiful. And I just, I needed it to stop. You know, we needed to change something because I felt like I was broken. (laughs) Um, and I was suffocating and it was time to, for, to, to, to sort of climb onto that lifeline and make a change because I couldn't do it anymore. Mm. Yeah, wow. What a, like, a, there's so much heaviness in everything that you said and, like, what a full-on realisation to have in that. Like, that's, like, like, deep hurtful things that are going on there. And then 
um, all that negative self-talk that you have where you like, you place all the blame on yourself. Like, oh, I can't do this. There must be something wrong with me. And like, look at all these people around that I'm letting down. It's like all of this um, mm. really unhelpful thoughts that are happening and, and most likely are untrue statements as well. But when you're in that moment, when you're in the thick of it, feeling that way, it feels like that's what the world is screaming at you. It's like, it's so loud in your head that it makes sense that you were like, I just want it to stop. Like, I just need to find something that needed to be that drastic change in that moment for me. So as you've gone on this journey, I'm sure it hasn't been easy. Like, I feel like it's safe to assume that it doesn't sound as easy as what people may think it is. Um, so what are some of the hurdles that you experienced or that you've noticed other people experience? So I think the, the first and foremost was um, I struggled for so long with whether I was allowed to call myself a minimalist, you know, okay. yeah. and this was, this was a really interesting thing to wrestle with. And this comes back to like that idea of like doneness and fitting mm-hmm. in. And I was like, oh, but, you know, we've downsized so much, but I still can't keep the house clean. You know, the house still gets messy. Um, or, you know, this isn't done or I've had to come back to this. And for so long I wrestled with this idea of was I worthy to call myself a minimalist, I guess, you know. Mm. And when I when I wrestled with it, I realised that everyone is on a journey. Everyone, everyone is on a journey. And it's about that process. It's not about arriving at that point and being like, hooray, I'm a minimalist now sort of thing, you know. And... As I sort of settled into that, I realised that life is for living and, you know, we value living that life. We value kids having a childhood. We value that we, you know, we relish the mess of life. And so, yes, the house is still going to be messy sometimes. You know, sometimes there's going to be dishes piled up and that's not the defining factor of whether you are getting somewhere you know what I mean so um for me a really big hurdle was just wrestling with this idea of um worthiness I guess and realizing that it actually it wasn't relevant it didn't it it wasn't helpful it wasn't necessary um and I could hang on to that title and say you know what that is who I want to be. That is part of my values and my identity and what feels good for me. But the label doesn't actually mean anything. Mm-hmm. So it, that for me was a really big hurdle was just this idea of um, feeling like I needed to hide or sort of what like that good enough feeling. So for yeah. me that was a really big one was letting letting that go and just being okay with the fact that I'm learning too, you know, Mm. that for me was a really big one. The other thing that was a really big hurdle was um, putting together sustainability and and decluttering. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, that was was probably the biggest physical challenge um, and mental as well. Um, You know, I I could work out what was keeping and what was going, but it physically hurt to put it in the bin if I couldn't find a home for it. Yeah. Um, you know, it really hurt my heart. And um, working out how to sort of, how to dissect those things. Um, so what I realised was once, once you've brought the thing into your home, you've already said yes. You know, from, from the moment it was made 
and those resources used, once you said yes, the resources have, you know, they've served a purpose. Mm. Their outcome is already determined. The only thing that changes is how much of a life they have before they get to the end, you know. Um, And it's sometimes we're going to need to just say, you know what, next time I know how to make that decision better Mm. or next time I know how to hold that boundary better or next time I feel like I know which one of these items serves my purpose better, you know. And sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable and Mm. sometimes it's going to be challenging. Um, But for me the biggest hurdle was just getting past that, um, being okay with the fact that sometimes things are going to have to go into the bin. Yeah, I really like that because what you're doing is giving yourself compassion and kindness Mm -hmm. in those moments to be like, okay, that happened. Is that what now I'm reflecting on realizing I didn't want and wasn't ideal? Yeah, I can see that now. But now I yeah. know for next time. Like now I know for the future. So yeah. instead of beating myself up, I'm going to instead just be kind to myself. Exactly. And it's that punishing thing. So mm-hmm. when we go, you know, this isn't valuable. This isn't bringing me joy. This isn't serving a purpose in my home. But we decide to store it because we can't deal with it going in the bin it's that it's that idea of mental clutter yeah you know when yeah. when it feels like when it feels like everything is so noisy and you can't think yes you know um we are effectively punishing ourselves with our old decisions when we decide that we have to hang on to that stuff just to keep it out of the bin mm. you know? um and that it can be tricky and sometimes that's one of those things that you might have to come back to again and again. You know, we, 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 we're okay with coming back to affirmations and saying, you know, I need to sit on that affirmation and grow with that affirmation or rereading the same book because there's something in there. But for some reason we find it really, we find it tricky to come back to the same thoughts and have the same realisation again. Mm, yeah. Um. Probably because you feel I, like, oh, I'm done with that now. <laughs> Move <yeah>. on, next. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. no, no, sometimes you need to pause and go back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, And just have that realisation again and sit with it again and be like, okay, yep, mm. okay, I'm good to, you know, I'm good to sort of move on again. Mm. Um, yeah, so for me it's this idea of when I talk about mental space, it's this idea that we want to give ourselves permission to create the space that serves our future selves mm-hmm. and our families. Yeah. Um, so I got to this point that I was really stuck with decluttering before we moved into the tiny house. We was, so we were in this house that was five bedrooms plus a library and two living areas and two and a half bathrooms. It was a massive house. It was a beautiful house, but it was a massive house. And we still had heaps of stuff, but I was looking around. I'm like, I don't know what to get rid of anymore. Mm. <laughs> you know? um, and that was that was coming from this point of lack. You know, what can I do without? What can I let go of? And it was existing in this place of scarcity and lack. Mm. Um, and so what changed it for me was realising that everything we have, and, I mean, this is amplified in the tiny house not everybody is going to have it quite to this extreme but within our homes everything we have it takes a physical space like we recognize that but you're aware of it you know you know it's there you know how where it needs to go 
you know, what maintenance needs to happen. It's claiming our time when we put it away. It's claiming our time to look after it. So everything we have in our home, it's not just taking up physical space. It's also taking up something in our mental space and in our emotional space as well. So when I realised that we need it almost to justify its reason to be in that space, Mm. you know, it needs to make us happy. Like it needs to make us, we need to love it. It needs to really make us happy or it needs to have a purpose. You know, it needs to add enough value to our home that it deserves its right to take up some of that mental and emotional space, you know, that, that we're, we're conscious of. And when I swapped it and when I started looking at it like that, I'm like, you know, I love that. I love that book. I love that movie I love that dress you know they make me happy Mm. my blender makes really beautiful smoothies or whatever it is and we start actually recognizing the abundance that we already have in our lives Mm. and we start recognizing um you know the things that the things that we really want to be there but also the things that the future us values too yeah and um you know, sitting with that realisation made all the difference. Yeah, and, that's really powerful. Yeah. yeah. So that makes start- it, it really helps. Like you, like sometimes it, when it feels hard and you have that hurdle like we're talking about, it's about, okay, I need to reframe this a different way because the way that I'm thinking about it is making me really stuck. Um, and um, we've had a comment come, come through from Jamie and she says, I really struggle with sentimental stuff. And I can really relate to that. That for me, I think was my biggest hurdle because everything felt sentimental, but then I was also able to recognize that was part of my trauma, um, is because I, you know, had to go to boarding school. I don't, I shouldn't say, you know, for anyone who may or may not know my story, I went to boarding school. And so, um, because I had that separation from my family, everything felt sentimental. Like everything felt like it needed to be special, but I also had that role model to me um, with my mom having like hoarding tendencies where everything was kept. Um, And then also not using things because you have to save it for a special occasion, right? Like things like that. So I dealt with a lot of that. It was really heavy. And yeah, same thing, Jamie, I had lots of boxes of sentimental stuff. Um, for me, uh, what really helped with that mindset was I jumped on the, um, uh, Marie Kondo train, you know, with the KonMari method of, uh, yeah. what's her book called again? Um, something about finding joy, life changing magic of tidying up. Yeah. So her section talking about things, bringing you joy and her section on sentimental stuff really helped me make peace with what you like, similar to what you were saying, Sarah, like once um, like gifts, for example, gifts that you don't want, but you just keep because you feel like you have to, it's like that gift has served a purpose. The second that person gave it to you, that was the purpose for them to give you something. Um, you don't have to keep that thing. You can, you can, you know, acknowledge it, say, thanks for serving your purpose. And, you know, that family member feeling good about giving me a Christmas present. I I don't, you don't bring me joy. Goodbye. (laughs) Um, Or sentimental things. I realized actually that a lot of the things I was holding on to that were sentimental um, actually made me feel awful. So I would find myself going through these boxes and crying and being re-triggered and then angry again. Like it was like old diaries um, where I'm like eight years old saying horrible things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my trauma. Um, so then it was also letting it's like it's like acknowledging it and then letting it go so then holding it on made it 
made me feel heavy. It was like a weight on my chest. Um, and I felt so much relief once I was able to get rid of those things. And it's also understanding like just because you don't physically have it doesn't mean it didn't exist or it didn't happen. Yes. So if something is really important, like you can take a photo of it, right? Um, but really you can still appreciate when you had it physically, like you can still think about it. Um, yes. So I think it's about being very particular about what is sentimental. Like I've kept, I've, I've kept such few things as sentimental. And one of them is um, the yellow dress that I was wearing when we got engaged. Like that's something I've decided to keep and I'm okay with that, but I've gotten rid of, like I don't have any of my school stuff like school books and awards, even my school bag and uniform. I'm like, this just makes me angry now because that was my trauma. Like, why don't, who, what am I going to do with it? Show my kids one day. I'm not going to let them read that diary. Yeah. Like, and when I talk to them about school, I can talk to them about me going to school. I don't actually need this to show them. Like if anything, I have pictures, like that's fine. So I think with sentimental stuff, it's, it's deeper work that needs to be explored um and and given respect to that yeah 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 and I think with sentimental stuff what can be really helpful as well is giving yourself a container limit so whether that's that's good you know a shelf or a box or you know a file or whatever it is Mm. you're allowed to have sentimental stuff Mm. you know there's there's no rules and that's one of the things that I'm really big on is there are no rules you're not only allowed to have 30 books or you're not only allowed to have two dresses like there are no rules yeah because some of them do make you feel like you have to follow a rule yes you get to decide that and um it's also okay to come back and pare down and next time you know maybe you need a smaller container you know whatever that container is just a limit you know Mm. something that you have defined as the the collection of those things and maybe next time you know the it's you know it it might but also things are going to keep happening that you're going to want to add to that so like something else I realized was I had kept like all my Barbies because Mm -hmm. somehow as a child I don't know why I, I somehow knew I wanted to give that to my kids one day which was a lovely idea but then one day I realized I'm not allowing my daughter to now have not only her own things because these are always going to be known as my things but also then we went like buying her a new Barbie for example and then I'm like oh there's like cool stuff out there now that she can enjoy so then it was also like what am I not allowing her to experience because I'm expecting her to carry my stuff for me so then it was also that realization like oh I'm doing this for me it's actually not for her um and saying that she still has had like some of my old Barbie stuff but yeah it I think a lot of clutter and stuff like that is actually more linked to our trauma and more linked to our inner child that is like still screaming out like I'm here and I'm still upset about whatever happened that's um, connected to all those things. So I I think it's worth giving yourself the time and space to explore that. Like I I don't think it's as easy. I'm not going to tell you like just chuck out the school reports. It's like, no, I think you actually have to have like, it's almost like a ceremonial uh, grief, like a death of that to be able to let go of it. And I think sometimes it's much deeper than that. And, like, um, I'm quite happy to talk people through, you know, techniques to declutter, but when it comes to that emotional stuff, sometimes that's deeper work that you really need to actually see someone who deals with emotional stuff. Mm. You need to see, you know, might be a counsellor or whoever it is that you go to. Mm. And that's what, the like, the communities are missing, right? Like how you were talking about how some of them didn't seem to fit or I couldn't call myself a minimalist or any of those books, like 
that's where you need to be aware of what is and isn't trauma-informed, right? Like that's where I'm going to come in on my side of things is that what's going to work for someone may not work for everyone. And what someone makes seem easy might not actually feel easy for you. And instead of you internalizing that as there's something wrong with me because it's not easy, it's like, no, it's just going to look a little bit different for you. So I've taken us a bit off track talking about the sentimental stuff, but for whatever the hurdle is that people are experiencing, wherever they feel stuck, what kind of strategies um, can they use to get started or to help them move forward? Yeah. So I've got two different strategies that will work for two different people if you are a person that likes a sense of doneness I recommend finding the quickest to knock off room and working on that and for most people that will be the bathroom minus the makeup Mm, right if you're someone who wears a lot of makeup the makeup can be really tricky because um and this is another emotional thing for a lot of people the makeup is almost linked to their like their identity mm-hmm. and so that can actually be a little bit tricky to work through but the rest of it the personal care the shampoos the combs you know those sorts of things the bathroom is generally a fairly quick task to mm-hmm. kick off so if you're someone that likes to that sense of like doneness <laughs> the bathroom can be a nice place to start because you sort of or whatever it is for you you know maybe that is your desk or whatever it is but if you're someone that sort of you really feel that need to sort of put that tick in the box sort of thing sometimes tackling the an easy to accomplish area yeah that can be a really good strategy yeah that makes sense because it can give you that momentum that you need to keep going because then you're like oh that felt good and then you can kind of work your way up the ladder yes Mm. the other strategy is what I normally talk about Um, Because I feel like this strategy is what really helps us free up that some of that, it gives us that breathing space back. You know, it really, it gives us that sense of um, taking some stuff off our brain, taking some stuff out of the to-do list sort of thing. Um, And this is to find the three areas that are currently most overwhelming your daily function. So for most mums, this is going to be dishes, laundry, and toys. I was going to say kitchen. <laughs> yes, dishes, laundry, and toys. And so, if you can, oh, toys. Those oh, things, that's yes. a hard one. If you compare those things, you don't need to be perfect. Like it doesn't need to be done, and you're never coming back to it, right? You're just giving yourself the capacity to reduce that workload. Because yeah, okay. here's the thing: when we had twenty plates in the cupboard, guess how many plates we use on a daily basis? Mm. When we have four plates in the cupboard. Guess how many plates we use on a daily basis? Mm, yeah. Right? The dishes are still going to be there. The washing is still going to be there. But rather than having six piles of laundry on your bed, looking at you when you're, you know, you're ready to go to bed and there's like six piles of laundry like piled up there to make you think about it sort of thing, there's now one. And you know what? If you don't get around <laughs> yes, and if you don't get around to folding the washing, guess what happens? People come and take the washing out of the basket and they put it on their bodies because they need it (laughs) so you know and it's not about um getting it perfect but if you can reduce that Mm. daily workload you just give yourself a little bit more breathing room to think about the rest of it Mm. you know and it's not so and I think a, a lot of it is just have that having that visual overwhelm 
Like if you were to see four dirty plates in the sink, you're like, oh, that's four dirty plates. But if you were to see the full 20 with like the 20 cups and all of that, then you're, then that's that overwhelm and you're like, I don't even want to do it. Like that's exhausting to yeah. look at. So that totally makes sense. I really like that idea. I'm like, mm. I'm like thinking of all the ways I can implement that now as well. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, different lifestyles are going to look a little bit different. If you're a family that runs the dishwasher at the end of the day and you don't have time to do the dishes, well, then maybe you might need two plates per person and a bowl, you know. Mm. So it's it's being okay with looking at your lifestyle and your needs and how you work as a family and what's priority to you. And that is going to define what you need in your life. Mm. If you're washing the dishes after every meal well, then maybe you only need four, five, six, whatever it is in the cupboard. But if you use a dishwasher at the end of the day, well, you might need to just adapt it a little bit. But if you can just reduce how big those tasks can pile up to be, um, that was where we saved a lot of time. I reckon we used to spend, you know what, it could have been up to two hours a night trying to get on top of the kitchen by the end of the day you know by the time as a stay-at-home mom with kids asking for snacks all day yeah um, it's it's honestly our biggest thing and it took my husband yeah. a really long time to understand why it kept happening because he would come and he'd be like I just cleaned this like how is it already piles of stuff and it, it took him a while to realize what that actually looked like. And I've got Roz in the comments saying I'm folding four loads of laundry as you speak about yes. minimalizing yep. laundry. I'm also making a pile to close to discard as I go. Good on you, Roz. Yeah. I'm I think all of us are getting that bug now. We're like, okay, what are all the ways that I can do less? And what I've realized because we're talking about decluttering to find mental mm-hmm. space is that um if my kitchen or house or whatever is like a bomb, a mess, like all the stuff is everywhere. I it it it's kind of like that um cycle catch 22 where like that can be causing me to have like a depression episode um or it can be the cause of a depression episode if that makes sense so like when you're feeling crap you don't want to do housework but also when it's piled up that makes you feel crap yeah. So it's this catch 22. So I think adopting this mindset of decluttering, um, not from that perspective of like, you're going to lack things, not to have the title of calling yourself a minimalist. Like you can still have artwork and like little, you know, special things around you. That's you fine. Like you make the rules. In the home that you love yeah. being, full of the but stuff that you love it's being. It's the time. Like I wrote it down what you said before about, um, like is what is it claiming from you like that is it claiming time away from you yeah yeah and your creativity as well and this is one of the things that um, and I know different personalities are gonna find this different levels of whether it impacts them or not for me I struggle to be creative I struggle to write the blogs I struggle to do the art or you know whatever it is that needs my creative energy when the house is a mess. Yes. My brain can't connect with that, mm. um, you know, with that ability to create when I feel overwhelmed by what's in my space. And as, you know, I'm also a virtual assistant, so I also do a lot of social media stuff. That's creative stuff, you know. So it mm. impacts my ability to show up and make impact when my space is overwhelming mm. because I can't, I really struggle to connect 
with the ability to be creative and create something and create something that makes an impact for other people mm. when my space is overwhelming. So there will be times and I'm, you know, I'm in two minds about whether this is a good thing or not, but there will be times <laughs> when I'm like, I just can't think and I cannot write this email and it's due tomorrow. And, you know, instead of writing that email, sometimes I just need to clean up, mm. you know. And once I've done that and I've sort of just given myself that quiet in my brain again, yeah. it is yeah. so much easier. It is yeah. so much easier to sit and, you know, be creative or write those emails or whatever it is I need to do when the noise, like mm. the static in my space is just quietened a little bit because mm. I've dealt with the stuff that I'm looking at. Yeah, I can so relate. And I think there's a difference between feeling that pressure to have everything done. Um, and then the difference between like, I need to free this up so that I can do what I want to do. Yes. So I think there's a, there's a bit of a difference between those things. Um, I also want to do a very quick shout out to Sarah as we're ending this chat that I would love you all to come to the comments and flood Sarah with some love because she has been my angel. Like this virtual event would not have happened without Sarah. She has done so much on the back end. A lot of work really does go into planning um, things like this for you guys. I know that's hard to uh, grasp, but you know, the million and one emails, asking all the speakers, gathering all the pictures, writing all the text, um, doing all the links in the Facebook group, setting everything up. Sarah has done so much work and I really just want everyone to flood her with so much love because um, I, I couldn't have done this without you, Sarah. I love you so much. Thank you so much. I'm and so happy to finish to off. The event is happening, so oh, that makes sense. it's going wonderfully <laughs> too. It's it's going great. So tell everyone where they can find more of you. So I mostly hang out on social media. Um, you can find me at Nika Blue Tiny Living on most platforms. I'm on Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, and I hang out there. Um, and I do have a membership which hasn't been open for a little while, but I'm thinking it might be time to open the doors mm. again. So I will, I will have a little play with that. And um, maybe if you watch my social media, there'll be a link below. <laughs> I love like the sneakiness. It's like maybe <laughs> just tell maybe. her and she'll do it. <laughs> You're like, yes, I want it. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Sarah, for not only taking the time to chat with us today, but for everything you have done for this event. I appreciate you so much. Welcome.